The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that every Tuesday by sharing stories and advice from those who are rocking it on the other side. And I'll be honest, Jamie is one of the coolest guests we've had on this show. Jamie Falkowski is Chief Creative Officer and Partner at Day One Agency. Day One Agency is a creative communications agency built for the next 10 years and 24 hours. Love that line. He's been there since 2015, and his role was recently created to connect creative storytelling across their three centers of excellence, shape, share, and fuel, bringing them together to deliver cross-platform ideas that earn a place in culture. Jamie has helped grow, develop, and mentor Day One Agency, helping drive nearly 50% business growth over the last year in partnership with clients, including Nike, Meta, American Express, Chipotle, Walmart, and Beam Centauri, and more. Some amazing clients. And we cover some amazing topics this episode, one of them being the importance of speed for advertisers to tap into culture, which derives from client trust. And if you're looking for an entertaining break-in story, Jamie's is very star-studded and off the traditional path of most guests. So I'll let him share that in this episode. And Jamie also manages an integrated team across the agency's growing hubs, including New York, L.A., Chicago, and Portland, with a focus on investing in creativity and building the next generation of talent. So, hey, if you want to connect with Jamie, look him up on LinkedIn and leave him a note. And I can help you, too. If you want to reach out and follow us on our Instagram or LinkedIn, you can find us by looking up at Breaking and Entering Pod. And I'll send them a note. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Jamie Falkowski, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're going to talk about you, your agency. We're going to break it all down here. And we talked about this before, but we're talking to aspiring advertisers, maybe a couple people that are in the industry that are looking to level up. And you've done just that because you're the chief creative officer at Day One Agency. So tell us about you and that role. What does a chief creative creative officer even mean? There's the million dollar question. Uh, I think it's probably different in every agency, but you know, in our world, we are a creative communications agency. We've really built this idea of focusing on helping brands build for the next 10 years and 24 hours, thinking about what's going to help them have longevity, but also still build a lot of relevance uh, in today's world. And our our whole move, our whole idea is how do we help brands, um, you know, show up in culture in an authentic and, and real way. It's really easy to just kind of try to jump on trends and, you know, insert yourself in a conversation in a way that can feel uh, maybe unrealistic. And, you know, we try to help balance that out. What do people want to hear? What do you want to say? Where's that sweet spot in between? Uh, my job as the, the chief creative officer is really to help oversee that storytelling process. We have, we have three centers of excellence on the team, all focused on storytelling helping brands to shape, share, and fuel stories. And my job is to, to connect the dots across those three. Love it. Love it. And I want to even just get into a question here because I was curious yeah. as you mentioned that. Jumping on trends. 
being quick, being nimble. That's hard for a lot of agencies. I've seen it. I've talked with agencies that struggle with it. You guys have a track record of being able to be quick on social trends, picking it up, making partnerships, telling that story for your brands and your clients. I want to know how the heck do you do it? Is, is there less bureaucracy? Are you guys just, do you give, are you close to your clients? Because we'll talk, we can probably tease at that, the, the, some of your Chipotle work. Um, but like, what's the key to being nimble in, in the agency setting and getting these approvals? Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into some of the work for Chipotle. Mm-hmm. They've been, uh, you know, their culture AOR and, and a great partner to them, you know, for about five years now. Uh, and, on, and to be honest, we've learned a lot in the process by, by really collaborating with them and building a great relationship. But, mm-hmm. you know, it takes repetition to get fast. I, I think it, it's really, in my career when I started off, you had so much time to really try to nail and build an idea. And, and now it, it really is about yeah. speed. And, and we think about speed as being, you know, one of our weapons, a competitive advantage to be able Seriously. to move as quickly as we can. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to train your brain to see things, to understand kind of the in-between of Again, what you're trying to do day in and day out to, you know, build connections or sell product or, or just show up in the right places. And then looking at all the things that are happening and knowing where it makes sense for you to, to join in. Because th- there's, there's a lot of things that are trending and it doesn't mean you need to be, be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having a good filter and, and kind of putting yourself in the shoes of the brand is really important. And I imagine you have to build some trust there too, to be like, all right, we got to jump on this quick now. And we know this is the right fit. We know what to do just believe us here. Let us take control. Yeah. You have to be willing to let a lot of ideas probably die early. You know, you're going to pitch a lot of things that might not, uh, they might not sound right to the client right away because you're, you're trying to approach things in maybe a new or different way. And it takes building that trust and getting, you know, one, two, three kind of small wins yep. under your belt. Stuff that doesn't necessarily feel really big craves and starts to build the path uh, to what you can make big impact with later. Yeah, Definitely. So tell us about day one. I think as we get into your story and your advice later on, I want to have a really strong foundation understanding like what you guys are about and you did great pitch, but give us a, the day-to-day or like how many employees do you have? What, how do you guys operate? Give us a little insight into how you guys work. Yeah, we come from uh, an earned storytelling background. So but the original you know, founders of the company, most of them worked in you know, PR, media relations. That's really been at the heart of what we do. So we think through how are you going to earn that place in, in media and in consumer speed, you know, show up in kind of the right way. And we believe that, you know, the way to build a connection with the audience, a lot of it is repetition. You have to show up a lot, you know, and I think that's why you see just advertising works, right? You get it out into the world, you create ads, you build it and put it in front of people over and over and over again. And there's a, there's a lot of power in repetition, but we think repetition that comes from the people, places, sources that you trust and that earns credibility can yeah. really just build even faster than just showing up via paid. Um, and because the media landscape has changed so much and you know, we just don't have the magazines and newspapers and, mm-hmm. and traditional places that we used to, earning today is you know, partnering with the right voices, creators, um, getting the right audiences to, to talk about your brand or whatever it is you're trying to promote in a real way. So more of a creative earned perspective is, is at the foundation of this. I, from a PR standpoint and in my background, I love that. I'm trying to get the people I work with to think about the headline, to think about like, how will, what is this, is it newsworthy? How can we add our campaign to have some newsworthiness to it, get that earned push to it? And that's more at the tail end. I, I've noticed my problem is 
and when you start with the foundation, it seems like you guys do that, and that's ingrained in what your work is. It, it goes much. It goes much further. Yeah, we talk a lot about being culture worthy over press worthy. You know, I love that. Kind of given this example in the past that I've had, and I, and I worked in PR early in my career. You know, mm-hmm. you would get a brief, or somebody would say, "Hey, guy, I want a half page New York Times article. I want to be in the Wall Street Journal. I'm looking for the big hit." But yeah, I think the truth is, when you look at the New York Times, they're not the first to write about it. Normally, when they're covering something from a cultural perspective, it's been in the world. It's kind of happening. Yeah, you know, if you can do that culture first work that can lead into the media actually, you know, wanting to write about it, wanting to pay attention and giving them the the checkpoints to say like, oh, this, this is a thing that's actually important to a group that we're trying to reach or, you know, gives us a much deeper profile than, hey, I just want to pitch this, uh, this new product. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what are, what are some works, what are some campaigns that you've done recently uh, that kind of embody that strategy that you're super proud of? Well, I'll give you, um, you know, we talked a lot about speed early on. So I'll give you the one of the, the highlights of the year, I guess. Uh, Bring it on. We want to hear it. <laughs> I'm sure you're you're familiar with the corn kid. Oh, yeah. It's corn. Yes, exactly. I'm glad you're singing it and I'm not. Uh, but, you know, that was the obviously just became a massive uh, viral sensation, you know, in the last, gosh, like six months in the summer. And, you know, I think we like a ton of other agencies saw that and we were saw we saw a lot of brands taking the song and actually, you know, showing off what they really loved that wasn't corn, whether it's yeah. their physical locations or other products. Um, but one of our, our big clients is Chipotle. And mm-hmm. I see yeah, where this is have, going. We have corn salsa on the menu. Uh, so looked at that as a really great opportunity to say, like, how do we insert ourselves in this conversation, but do something different? Um we moved very, very fast. So we got lucky. We got connected uh, to Tariq and were able to reach out and figure out a way to actually work with him. And it was, you know, within has about 17 hours kind of after that song had first started taking off and was trending. Oh, wow. He was, uh, was going to be in the Bronx at his Chipotle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was walking home from work. It was late. I got a call and it's like, hey, is there anybody who can show up and shoot Corn Kid tomorrow morning? And we kind of quickly scrambled, you know, most of our Chipotle teams on the West Coast. Yeah, this has happened on the East Coast. We pulled a you know friend of the agency to go in and actually shoot that. Shot a lot of stuff. Shot portraits. Shot a lot of different ideas for video. Yeah. We didn't really know what we were going to get. It's kind of like what's his his appetite to to act to you know try to play with us a little bit. And ended up putting out this really fun video that you know I think uh, I think it's like fifty two million people have seen it across all social, all organic, uh, amazing, which is insane. And you know I, the thing that impressed me the most on on Instagram it has. It's like seven or eight hundred thousand shares. So yes. not only are people viewing it, but they're like, I need to send this to somebody and actually show them how great it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a simple video. It's 14 seconds long. He's placing an order of Chipotle, he says no to every ingredient. And then at the end, it's corn and then he pans up and he's got a it's corn kind of excited expression on his face. And you know, it, it was a cool idea. It was really fun, super lo-fi, but the timing of that timeliness just, is so key. Yeah, it took off. Amazing. And um, so people ask me all the time, like how long that took. And I, I like to say it took 17 hours and five years. Cause I think as we were talking about earlier, it is that trust. It's that ability to get, you know, faster yeses and faster no's from clients. So they right. choose and, and are in it with you. Wow. Love that. Um, who was on your team? Like, I guess, like, do you have like somebody like a community manager managing like social that's like looking around for insights, digging it up? 
or is it just like everybody saw this as like let's we have this client it just came naturally i don't think anybody didn't see it <laughs> exactly it everywhere yeah uh, we're lucky they're really really good too uh their internal team is fantastic you know we do daily standups oh, Chipotle, so yeah, yeah we're yeah. talking to them every day and, and our team you know saw it saw an opportunity to, you know through the through the outreach to get in touch yeah um and it's it's a little bit of uh you know, lightning in a bottle for that one. You know, you, for sure. You know, those things don't show up every single day. You can spend countless hours, but when they do hit, it's like, how do you just capitalize quickly? Get on, hop on. Yeah. What's your, what's your protein choice there? Oh, uh, for Chipotle? Chipotle? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I go, uh, the new steak is great. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I'm a classic chicken guy. You know, Me they, I, like yeah. most people, they stick to the same bowl they got. You know, how, yeah, that's an insight right there. I mean, like I haven't changed up from chicken in so long. How do we get That's people to so try other? Uh, that is so much of what we we talk yeah. about is what are those real consumer insights? So, you know, we we got to Corn Kid, but way way back in the day, as we were adjusting our social strategy pretty early on, we we're just looking at how are fans talking about us. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first really successful tweets that we did for them was really just talking about how people steal the Tabasco bottles. Oh, I mean, yeah. like most most brands wouldn't really talk about the fact that there's you know shrinkage within the, the restaurants, but we saw that as an opportunity to just like lean into a reality. I wonder what their budget is for like, I don't know that I'm not an accountant, but like what's the budget for like stolen napkins and like silk or plastic wear? I feel like people are always doing that, sadly. I don't know. My glove box is full of Chipotle napkins. So I like many other people's. There you go. They're good quality. Any other, um, I love that. I love the corn kid case study. We'll call it that. What's the agency? Like how many people? Like, are you guys super large? Is what's, what are we dealing with here? Because I know some larger agencies they're not able to move as quickly. We're, we're considered midsize now. So we're Perfect. about 185 people. Uh, Sweet spot. Yeah, New York, LA, Chicago, a very small team that we're starting to build out in Portland to service uh, some of the work we do with Nike. Uh, but it's it's grown a lot in the last couple of years. I think we were just around 100 at the top of uh, 2020. So nearly doubled in the last uh, two years. And yeah, as you grow and scale and as you've got to mix the people, you know, in office, out of office, like keeping that glue, keeping that ability to move fast, you know, a lot of it is like, how do you continue to have small agency culture on teams, you know, building teams that are able to work really closely together, but also we're able to share some of the knowledge that comes from different work. You know, you learn a lot from what somebody else is doing, you know, across the row or seeing something else on somebody's computer. So how we knowledge share internally, we were just talking about internal comms before we got on. No, yeah. yeah. Sharing case studies, sharing insights, trying not to, as you get bigger, I've noticed other agencies, a lot of the same work is happening on different teams. So how are you able to avoid some of that and, you know, allow everybody to, to not have to reinvent the wheel with every project? Yes. And I want to ask you now, so like, what are some of those trends that you're seeing, I guess, not at your agency, but maybe in the industry in general? Um, with advertising the process you i know you alluded to this earlier timeline is shrinking uh what what are you noticing in the industry how are you guys uh adapting to those trends as well i think you're seeing as we talk about media landscape as there's more eyeballs on places like tiktok and you know reels there is just more and more attention going to how do we take our brand and get them to show up in a way that feels right in these these vertical videos touch points yeah yeah and i think a lot of bigger agencies they do struggle a little bit with how do you take what we've known how to do in tv or longer formats yeah and to make it feel right not only at a different size parameter but in a way that's going to be 
quick hitting, engaging, gets people to like want to talk about it and share it. I think because most of our work started, you know, more in the social level, it's been easier for us to kind of scale up and to make even more premium content and be able to blow out ideas that are bigger and bigger and bigger. Because, you know, thinking about early media, we really do think like a, like a magazine or like an editorial company, thinking about franchises and frameworks that help ideas, ideas really show up and scale. I want to, so when you're thinking about those, those hits, how do you keep that storyline intact? Because you could be jumping on a trend and how do you keep that on strategy? How do you keep it on brand for your clients? Different with every channel. It's different for every brand. TikTok's interesting. Content shows up for the right people. You know, the algorithm's crazy. Oh, yeah. You build a thing that's actually good. You know, it, it's more about the individual piece of content. On a more, you know, on a place like Instagram, I think you can be more, almost more episodic. You can build out um, some stickiness around some of the ideas that you repeat over and over and over again. Yeah. And you can become known for certain things. And there's some of that on TikTok too. Like, I think some of the best creators are good at, you know, you, you're just going through your For You page and you see a video and you know within half a second who it is, even if you're, they're kind of just getting into the video because they've built repetition. Yeah. One of the things I think as marketers we overlook is, you know, we are ready to move on to the next thing oftentimes before it's really hit. Like by the time we've pitched, shot, edited, post-production, going on the channel, even in a very fast-moving environment, we can be sick of it and it's not even ever been seen by a consumer. Yeah. So when it stops yeah. working, you know, how do you know to like continue it, to double down and to kind of keep the momentum? I think David Ogilvy talks about in, his, in that in his book, uh, just keep the campaign running if it's working and or keep that style you're saying now adapted to today. Just we, we get we get sick of it early because we've been ingrained to it, but the audience might love it. Yeah. And if, if there is a thing that you want to, you want to change, you know, what is the small tweak where you don't have to reinvent everything? You have to save time time. too, probably and resources if you're not rebuilding the whole wheel. But every, I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of creatives are guilty of like bright, shiny object, new idea, really fun to do new things. But you know, sometimes just the thing that got you there is worth kind of continuing on. Super smart, super, super insightful. Um, I love it. I think I, I kind of want to shift now to more of you, your background, how you sure. got to where you're at today, uh, being a chief creative officer and super knowledgeable, obviously. Where did this all begin? So when did you say, hey, I want to do, I want to make ads for a living? Because most ads are shitty. I don't know well, if I was like, I want to make, make, I want to make, I want to make ads for, yeah, when did yeah. you say that to your family, your loved ones? I'm going to make ads. Oh, it was worse than that. I, what I said to my parents, I want to be an artist. And that was, that was even worse. So making ads, there was no money in that. Um, I skipped right over your, what I do as the chief creative officer question. So I'll get to that later, but okay. you know, I, um, I always love making things. I was, you know, I was a decent artist, uh, kind of growing up, really wanted to go to school. Uh, to really focus on that. And the time I thought the way to make art and maybe make some money was going to be design. So went to college, graphic design degree, moved to New York. Um, I thought I was the shit. I was not. Um, I realized I was a pretty mediocre designer pretty quickly, but landed an internship um, in magazines. My goal when I moved here, I really wanted to design magazines, which feels like so archaic and thinking about print that way. But that that was the dream. And uh, I took a Free internship, like unpaid internship, three days a week at a magazine. Okay. Worked nights in a place, worked at a retail job. I was like kind of working around the clock. 
uh, but did eventually turn that into into a full time job. And I, I stayed in publishing for a long time. But in that job, I ended up designing sales decks as part of the job. So I was designing pages in the magazine, but I was helping the media team and the, the marketing team at the mag package up what they were trying to bring to advertisers. So that was my first introduction to how are we going to take not just selling you an insertion into a mag, but selling you a bigger idea that you can put more dollars behind and making you believe in the audience that we can provide to you. And that was kind of the beginning of marketing for me. Um, yeah. And I, I stuck with it for a really long time. I fell into my first agency job. I, while I was doing all that, I was also a writer. Uh, I worked for Time Out New York. I was a music writer, style writer. Music uh, writer? What did you write about? I was primarily a hip-hop writer. Um, that was a good two and a half years of my life doing any cool stories there. Any, any, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I've got to interview a lot of really interesting people. Um, let's, so I want to hear some, about, some of those people. I wrote, uh, I wrote with Khalifa's first big piece, um, for Time Out. So her, his first big press for Time Out is a wow. CJ show. Uh, you know, a lot of small shows because I like Drake when he was nobody and, you know, cut, it was a Cuddy's first. Ken Deep mixtape party that Kanye came out for. Like, I don't know, just it was an interesting time in New York. And I made no money, but my life was sort of subs, you know, subsidized by writing and getting to go to free stuff. And most of most of my meals back then were whatever free food and drinks were at these shows. And that was uh that was a good stretch. I met a lot of great people doing it and it helped me build a really interesting network of just, I don't know, kids that were doing PR at venues, that worked at record labels, that were managing artists. Amazing wow. how many of those people ended up kind of in the creative world today, whether it's at an agency or a lot of them are at some of the platforms now too. Gotcha. Any interesting celebrity stories? Um, did a shot with Jay-Z and Beyonce once, which was fun. But um, yeah, wow. was that his, uh, his They're cool? week? Are they as cool? They were Is very, they were good people? Nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Very, very nice. nice. They, they didn't have a lot to say. They just kind of... Yeah, they're, they're yeah. busy. They're... Yeah. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So you didn't want to do this. You didn't want to stick with this sort of route, this writing route. Obviously, some really cool people you met. I mean, yeah, I thought I would. Cooler. I thought I would. I um, I was at a tequila launch party. So I would get invited to stuff all the time. I was at this launch party for a brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and I met you know, uh, one of my partners now. Um, Josh Rosenberg is the, the CEO at day one. At the time, he was running uh, the spirits and social department for a PR agency. Okay. And they were throwing the event. They were throwing the left party. Right. And I was just there as media. I'm on some blast list with a timeout email address. We connect. And he's like, hey, if you ever want to do freelance writing for us, let me know. You know, it's another opportunity. You can pitch ideas, whatever. And it was kind of going back to what I did at Surface in my first magazine job. Okay. You know, doing these write-ups for how brands show up in, in different places. So I, I freelanced and did that for a couple of months. And then one of the ideas that I, I wrote out sold. And they reached out and they're like, hey, uh, a brand really likes what you did. Do you want to come and work full time? And that was my first job as kind of a, a writer and a strategist in this agency. A writer, strategist, but you also have that design background too that we can't forget about. Yeah. So I think I was a good Swiss army for people because I could make, I could do the whole thing. I made decks, I could make comps, I could write the idea front to back and was a, you know, solid individual contributor. You know, if there was a big pitch and it was fast. I was able to think about how to do all the pieces of it. And to be honest with a lot of the great creators that we hire and see today, they have so much variety and skill and a lot of what they're, they're really looking for. What I spend so much time on is like trying to see the stuff they don't have and helping to fill in those gaps. 
Right. You have to yeah find the big idea, help them get to the right North Star. That's your mm-hmm. job is to identify a good creative potential uh, and the yeah. people and their ideas once they get there. That's what creative directors do. Um, so I kind of always preach and to be good, like if you're a student, focus in on an area, focus in on writing. If you want to be a copywriter, focus in on art direction. If you want to be an art director, like your layouts, your, your, your Adobe skills. Are you saying like, what do you, let's, is there a debate here? And I'm happy to uh, love that. Like, do you say like to the aspiring writer, should they explore all areas of creative like what should we do like should we be more i think be more diverse in our skills i think diversity skills great i think curiosity is the most important piece though so even if you don't ever end up doing anything else i think having some curiosity let's say like i was a designer learned how to write i am not spending a ton of time in the adobe suite these days but i'm able to talk to designers i'm able to have a conversation with them and understand where they're having challenges or where there's a disconnect in communication between what they're trying to achieve and what the writer's trying to say. So mm-hmm. I've been in both of those paths. So, you know, it's not that you have to do everything, but I think it gives you some empathy for what other people are, are trying to achieve. Uh, you don't realize how long it takes to edit a video. So you've had to like learn how to use Final Cut and try to do an edit of something. Yeah. Really time consuming if you, it's your first time kind of doing it. And I'm blown away when I sit with an editor and they they know every keyboard command and they're moving stuff around. They're moving Wizard. as fast as I'm sort of giving them feedback. Yeah. So it helps me to just understand all the different pieces of it. I'd say the same thing in budgeting and building financial models and stuff. Like I've learned a lot by working with people that are that are better than me in those things. And I've taken little pieces of that. And, you know, even today, I, I try to always think about you know, I, my goal is to always be kind of the, the dumbest person in the room. Like I want to be surrounded by people right. that are going to make me better. And you learn from that with that mindset, being curious. But for the but aspiring yes, advertiser, I think, I think for the for the young kid out there who's like really good at writing, really good at video, it does not hurt to have to produce things uh, or to make some stuff outside of your comfort zone. And I'd say that for the most part, I've learned as much from you know side projects and side hustles as I have mm-hmm. in the day job. Gotcha. So knowing what you know now, looking back at your, obviously you wouldn't change it, I'm sure. But if you want to expedite the process, um, knowing what you know now, like how would you tackle like getting into more of that agency setting? Yeah, I, I think it wasn't really even on my radar that it was a mm-hmm. place that I could I could go as a as a writer. You know, I was super I had my blinders on a little bit. I was kind of doing the thing that I thought I wanted to do. And I didn't realize how much sort of creative opportunity there was within the agency environment to do more than just just advertising. Cause I always just thought about it as doing you know tv and print ads there's nothing wrong with that i think doing that stuff is really great but mm-hmm. flexing into doing experiential and doing social and doing long form editorial like there's so many avenues for this so if you're trying to accelerate it i think having conversations with the people that are doing it you know i, I a kid reaches out to me and they want to catch up for a little bit or pick my brain or you know i always think that that ambition that hustle is, is really interesting and then I think being really curious, if you see great work that you love, look and see who did it. Check out the team behind it. Check out the photographer, the stylist, you know, the developer, the guy who made the TikToks, whatever it is, the music person. Those, you don't realize how many people touch every single project that you see out in the world. And there will be, sure, maybe the creative director or somebody can't talk to you, but there will probably be five or six people on those teams that just going and looking at their LinkedIn or looking at their Instagram will teach you a lot. Oh, yeah. Every time there's a commercial, 
or an ad, a lot of my friends, my family will text or ask me who made this. Mm. And always, I used to know a lot better. Now I'm kind of like, kind of swamped in my own agency life. Um, but back like when I was like looking and like was really trying to break in, I was able to tell you the agency and the lead creative on it at the minimum, at, at, at the very least, I was able to do that. And just, just by Googling, like who's work, who's the AOR, who's working on it, who made this ad, I think that's super important, that curiosity, and then even getting to talk to them uh, is super important. So I love that. I think it's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. And then outside of just agency world, you know, some of the, my favorite marketers and creatives, ah, they're not even at agencies. A lot of them are at brands or they're at publishers. Yep. You know, I think, uh, like our team always talks about, they love the work that like A24 does. And I look at what oh, yeah. is always over there. I think that work is so good and, and so different. And mm -hmm. they've built a really interesting team to build an entire cultural presence around film. Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of insights or a lot of innovation. You should look yeah. outside the, definitely look outside of advertising for inspiration. Yeah, we can, we can talk to ourselves a little bit. There's a lot you can get from yeah. You know, looking at the trades and, you know, yeah. I get all those emails and I look at them every day, but also good to go for a walk and, and see some other stuff. Yeah. A lot of the resources we get recommended are not advertising publications or not like a lot of the like, creators will recommend stuff outside the industry. So we yeah. see that a lot too. Um, okay. Back to your story though. So sure. tell us about that first agency experience. Uh, what was the role again? Um, what was the, like, was it, was it, how was it when you first entered? Was it a, a shock to you? Did you fit in well? Were you crushing it? Like get, paint that picture for us. Or, and then after that, we can talk about like, what were some other big breaks too? Yeah, that was, uh, it was an interesting moment. It was probably the most corporate setting that I had ever been in. I'm working in magazines and showing up at 11 a.m. because I was out till three in the morning at a show or something. So having to have, you know, closer to a, a nine to five, nine to six sort of day. Interesting. You're the first guest to say that this advertising was a more corporate yeah, and over well, my career, it's gotten less corporate. But yeah, I think yeah. for me at the time, it was a bit of like a, oh, I might have to wear a collar in this office every now and then, <laughs> okay, which I which I don't do much these days. But um, you know, I it was it was PR comms. There were mm -hmm. clients that were a little more serious. It's not like that was every day, but a different environment. You know, I, it was the first time I worked on a PC, and I think I brought my own Mac because I was faster for me to get stuff done. Yeah, yeah, uh, just like little things like that, but. You know, the project that I, I sold in was uh, an event activation at South by, um, you know, I got handed the budget, they bought the idea, figured it out. And I kind of assumed that's how all agency jobs were, were going to be. It's like, I, I was going to figure out kind of every piece of it, design and build, how we're going to staff it, what the content capture is going to be, how, who got invited, how people showed up, everything. Um, it was a totally different experience. But you know, the, my boss who, you know, I now work with every day kind of just had a, had a lot of trust in me to kind of figure it out. So I learned a lot from that. I ended up working on probably four or five kind of big, interesting projects there. Um, and I was there for about a year and I, what I discovered in it was I really loved moving into that world, being in, or in and around the agency environment, but I wanted to get back to something that felt a little bit smaller, um, and felt like I could play a bigger role because I was in, I was a strategist and I felt like, um, you know, social strategist. It was a more traditional comms agency that sort of had social as a department. And I thought this is where a lot of the energy is going. 
it shouldn't be a big PR deck with six pages of social. It'd be really interesting if this was like a full communication strategy deck where social yep. and PR and everything else is integrated. And I think that's where mostly agencies are kind of at now, but at the time it just wasn't that important. So I uh, ended up finding my, my next gig at a creative agency and production company uh, called All Day Every Day. And they were six partners, two employees, and I was the third employee. And I just happened to connect with one of the, the people who works there. It's kind of a long story how that happened, so I won't, won't go down that, that path. But they had just uh, signed a big deal with, with Nike to help be the, the digital AOR for uh, the launch of the Fly Knit Shoe, which was going to be oh. leading into the, uh, the 2012 Olympics. Love and I needed someone to help run that account, and I had never done that before. But um, I don't know. We hit it off, and they're like, why don't you figure it out? So I went on there and ended up being there for about four years, and we went from you know those three employees to about 55-plus. Um, yeah. And I ended up kind of leading all the creative services division. So okay. young strategist, I had no idea what I was doing. Eventually, was running a team of about 30 over there. Wow. I'm just trying to digest this here. So design, background, degree into journalist, writer, into mm -hmm. a strategist, into senior strategist, into an account manager, marketing director. Basically. Yeah. You are touching all areas here. Production, I'm sure, too. You, oh, you yeah. have we'll such a diverse a skill set here. This is, this yeah, is incredible. I guess I get bored easily. It's always about finding the next thing for me and, and to figure out what I don't know. Um, but I just, I like a challenge. You know, I think our best work is the work that hasn't been defined before. And, you know, when I think about what I do now, creativity, it exists on sort of a spectrum, right? You have ideas that are more reactive. You're sort of showing up in the places where everything is. You're joining in a conversation. You have ideas that are completely original and you're putting something additive out into the world. We call that like our x-axis. You know, our y-axis is sort of like the complexity, the known versus unknown. There's a lot of known work or a lot of known format. And there's a lot of unknown format. And I think the things I get most excited about would be in that like unknown complex quadrant. You know, what's no one ever done before? And I need a big idea to do it. And how do I kind of solve it? That's good. I don't think like that. I should. I like comfortable, what's been done, what's tested. I'm the opposite of that. So you're that's why you're hey, there's, there's a the lot of that that's great too. You know, I think uh known format, new idea, we get a lot of that, a lot of those briefs, like, hey, I just want to fill out, I want a TikTok thing, help me out with it. Yeah. Or, hey, we've got a great idea, a thing we're already putting out in the world, but we don't know how to bring it into a new space. We get a lot of those briefs. Um, yeah. Before we got on, we talked about, you know, some of the Nike work and we've been with them for, I've, I've been working with them since that first project right. back, at, right. back at All Day, but we recently helped them with um, their 50th anniversary. And they had big, big, big celebration plans, big TV spot. You know, and our team tried to help figure out how to turn that into a TikTok write execution. Did you, so you were at All Day Every Day for three years, four years almost. Mm -hmm. um, you work, you started working with Nike there. Did you bring them over to day one or what was, did they just happen to switch over? Did you switch over? What was, I'm seeing a correlation here. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, was yeah. I, brought, I brought them over. Um, you know, it was slow at first. Like the and and like Nike's a huge company. They They're like, we want to work where we want to work with Jamie. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily that, but I I, I do feel like I built some good relationships yep. there. I think that's to be honest, the account the the bit of time that I spent really being an account lead. And I think what I loved about the philosophy of that agency that I've tried to bring here is 
you know, clients don't want to be middled. They don't want to have just this account person who's like, got to go to somebody else to get the answer. That's part of the speed, you know, having creative and strategy, you know, on the front lines or, you know, in the room collaborating with clients allows us to move as quickly as we do. Mm -hmm. And because I was this hybrid of creative and strategist, could answer the questions quick, could risk, kind of move things along. And I think I got to build some good relationships from that. So when I came over here, it wasn't like we rushed to try to go get that business. I came in and there was a lot of work that I needed to help just kind of get the the ship straight, get it kind of going in a good direction. Um, I hear you. But, you know, we ended up going to Portland just to get coffees and catching up with people and, you know, having and rebuilding, rekindling some of those relationships and started really small with one or two projects and built over time. Love it. It speaks, it speaks highly of you and what you're able to do in those relationships you made. Being that hybrid role definitely makes sense, giving that, like being able to move things along. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I get it. Um, and that brings us back to day one where we started here. And you've been there for seven years, seven and a half years. Crazy. I think that's a long time in agency life. That's like dog years. Is It's like 40 something years. Time. Um, great. And you started there. I'm looking at here, VP creative and experience managing director to create chief creative officer. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Like with day one and like how you're leading that you, did you want to go a little bit deeper into chief creative officer that, that role here? Yeah. I mean, I, I touched on it really quickly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We've really thought about storytelling as being so crucial what we do. A lot of agencies talk about content. I'm guilty of it all. People say yeah. like, oh, we need to, you know, we're filling feeds. We've got to create this content. You know, there's a content mix that we need to hit. But the regular person on the other end, they're not going, I saw this, well, maybe some people are, I saw this great piece of content. You need to like check this out. You know, they're probably, the stuff that they share more often than not is, is content and that is a thing that was made, but it's a good story. You know, it's something that really, you know, captivates you, whether it's an emotional thing or it's educational or, you know, inspires you in, in some sort of way. So we've tried to build the whole agency structure around storytelling. Um, you know, in the, my prior role here as managing director worked really closely with the partners to try to think about a lot of the structural work that we would do to set up the agency for success and really build into the future. And it's probably five years ago, we're sitting in a cafeteria, one of our client's offices, and we were 28 people, and we were trying to think about how to build new work. Um, which, you know, just shows like small agency, no idea what we're doing. We've hired 28 people. We have no idea who's in charge of who, but it was small enough that you could, you could kind of do it. And we were looking at org charts from every different walk of life, you know, all these different businesses and found this old 1940s Walt Disney org chart that was kind of uh, taking as inspiration for what we do. So it was it's really, you probably find it pretty easily. It's like 1943 or 47. It's the circle. And at the top is Walt, of course, he's at the top, and the story. And then at the bottom is the audience. And then on the inside are all these departments. And it shows just this ping pong of dotted lines as the idea and the story ping pongs from, you know, art to theme park to whatever. It's going to all these different groups. Cool. But at the end, it's just the audience. All the audience sees or cares about is the story. And we really thought about how do you build an organization with that at the core? So we have these three groups of shape, share, fuel. You know, I work on shape, trying to connect the duck. Share, fuel. Yeah, and shape, you know, shape is our hybrid of creative strategists and, and copywriters. You know, it's, it's people that that really understand 
narrative storytelling, you know, I say that that's the group that takes the complex and makes things simple. So if we get a 30 page brief, you know, ultimately you're trying to come up with a really simple platform, a line, something that's translatable in a feed, in a scroll quickly. Nice. And, you know, that group has to do more than what copywriters used to have to do. They have to understand how to write, but they also have to understand the spaces that they're writing for, especially in social. Our, our share team is the biggest team at the agency. It's really how ideas spread. Um, you know, so they're a mix of PR and influencer and you know, culture casting. Um, really the group that gives the story a megaphone. You know, so understand like the right way to roll out a story uh, in every single piece, whether it's on our own channels and other channels. And then our fuel team is our, our in-house studios, art directors, designers. We've really invested a ton in the last uh, few years in building out a video team and being able to do things more, more vertically integrated so that we can move as fast as we need to. I love it. I'm on board. That sounds awesome. It's been fun. I think every day is a, is a new challenge. You know, every day is day one. Um, it's sort of part of the mantra, but I think it's, it's been important to continue to change how we're set up and how we're shaped. Um, yeah, you know, we, we sort of talk about like every six months or so we need to evolve our own, you know, internal structures and matrices because the world is just moving so fast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. I think our listeners are probably curious at this point. Are you hiring? Is there internships? Can people reach out yeah. to you? And like, if they want to, Hop on board. What's the way to do so? What, help help us out. Yeah, always always looking for new talent. Uh, I think especially you know junior talent. I'm I'm so impressed with people that are coming out of school right now and the the diversity of skill, the actual hard skills today. I think are so much further along for a lot of people than than they were when I got out of school. You know, there's just so much that you can learn and be self taught in and. You know, the person who understands how to make great TikTok content and tell great videos in 30 seconds or 45 seconds, tell a tight story. Yep. I did a little bit of that, but wasn't the strongest. I had to learn through doing it you know, kind of after school. Yeah. What I see now, I'm just so impressed by. So there's a couple of ways. We have, um, we have an apprenticeship program for people coming right out of school. Cool. Uh, two months, you know. I like paid that. Opportunity to kind of like. Why do you call it apprentice see. instead of internship? You know, we're looking for people that are out of school. So looking for that first, that first gig, uh, it is a full-time sort of commitment. So you're in your, you know, 40 hours a week kind of thing. Sure. And the idea is to give you exposure to all parts of the agency. So you may be a PR apprentice, maybe a creative apprentice, a design apprentice, but during that time, trying to think about, because it is a small mid-sized agency, you have the opportunity to learn a lot and talk to a lot of different people and be exposed to different work. So over those couple of months... You know, just trying to give people the the full taste of uh, of agency lights, and we've been lucky at a good portion of those apprentices we we convert into full time employees. When is when does that launch? Do you have a date yet, or like a month? They're rolling. Spring. Rolling. I know that we're we're starting to look at new people for the for the spring right okay. now. Um, not a lot this time of year, just because it's the the holidays. Yeah, but stuff. if but you're yeah, listening, yeah. this is when you start to make those connections. So when it is to open, boom, definitely, definitely start to reach out. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm. I love non-traditional hires. It's great if you have Good. agency experience, but always really love people that have, you know, tried to be a writer. They worked in a gallery. They, you know, they were doing their dad's real estate business and shooting the house houses that they were doing. Like all different exposure to creative, creative walks of life is awesome. Love it. 
Amazing. I'm pumped. I think we covered a lot of great things here. Is there anything else that you want to get out to the people that are listening that we might have skipped over, forgotten to talk about? Dying to let people know. No, I appreciate the time, Juno. This has been great. Thank you so much for uh, the thoughtful questions and for listening to my whole spiel. No, great. It, it, this is awesome. So um, if they can reach out to you, would that be LinkedIn or... Yeah, you can that... find me on on LinkedIn. You can email me. It's just jamie at d1a.com. Uh, Try to answer as many of those as I can. Uh, but You're about to get yeah, 2 million don't, don't be a emails. I hope so. That'd be great. I'm looking for some new hired. I'm happy to make connections to the audience if they're intimidated. It's perfect. Awesome. Please All right, do. Jamie. Please send them my you rock. Thanks, you know. I appreciate you. Later. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod it's all one word breaking and entering pod on instagram we have links to their portfolios and their linkedin and they want to connect so do that and thank yous thank you to mikey malarkey our audio engineer and buchan jung our creative director can't do without you two and a team from the university of illinois it's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you for tuning in to Breaking and Entering. We want to be transparent with our valued listeners, so we'd like to disclose that this episode was made possible through a paid collaboration. The funds from this collaboration were used to produce this episode and contribute to the growth and enhancement of our show. At Breaking and Entering, we are committed to delivering high-quality content that informs, entertains, and engages our audience. We carefully select our partners to ensure that any sponsored or paid content aligns with the values and interests of our listeners. Rest assured that while this episode is a result of a paid collaboration, our opinions and creative control over the content remain independent and, of course, authentic. We prioritize providing valuable insights and experiences to our audience regardless of any paid partnerships. And we greatly appreciate the support of our sponsors and partners as they play a vital role in helping us bring content to your ears. If you have any questions about our partnerships or this disclosure, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at Geno, G-E-N-O, at breakenterpod.com. Thank you.